0: Hello beautiful beings. I am a being of love and light. I love all and all love me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode and welcome. Um, If you don't know, on this podcast we sip tea and discuss books because yes, I love to read. And what goes better with reading than some tea? The tea on the menu tonight is just a simple store-bought green tea. But if you don't have any tea bags handy, you can make yourself a nice, simple, really healthy tea. You choose some hot water, a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, a dash of cinnamon, a tablespoon of honey, and a squeeze of lemon. And this is a great an- uh, antioxidant tea to help cleanse your system. So grab your steaming mug and let's get into it. Today's read is from a book that I picked up. While I was at home in Rocky Mount, shout out to the 252, all the way from the 206, this book came to me, excuse me, as I wanted to know how to love more openly, unconditionally and deeply, meaning that I wanted to experience love without stipulations, you know, the kind of love where I'm not just in it to get something, for example, um. A lot of love this based on something like this, like I only love you if you love me or I only love you if you do what I tell you to do or I only love you if things go right or I only love you if you if you're doing something for me or I'm getting something from you. Um I was kind of I didn't I was kinda tired of that. Um uh, that kinda that kind of love left me frustrated because people are gonna be people. And when people don't behave or, you know, behave or act like you want them to, or if they don't reciprocate the way you think they should, then love quickly turns to hate. And I experienced that in some of my relationships previously, and I just say well, I'm done with that. Um, so I came across, in my search for unconditional love, I came across the author Mary Ann Williamson. And she's known for her work on... Um, a Course in Miracles, which is a profoundly interesting body of work on love, miracles, and self-awareness. I have not read The Course in Miracles in its entirety, but I have read through it. You can get it online for free. And it's worth the glance if you're really doing some self-work or some inner, inner work. It's really worth it to read through it. Um, a lot of spiritual teachings of today are based on this work. I also wanted to mention that one of my favorite quotes came from this book, and I'll go ahead and read it really quickly. My favorite, One of my favorite quotes is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Now, some of you may recognize this quote. I first heard this quote in a movie entitled Coach Carter about a basketball team out of Richmond, Virginia. Which one? Richmond. Anyway, also that was my first time going to the movie theater ever, and I was like 17 or 18 at the time, so it just meant a lot to me. Also, want to say that I do live downstairs in the kind of like in the basement of a family, and they have a twin 10-year-old. So you're gonna if you hear a lot of loud noise around me, I do apologize. It's just a family upstairs. All right, so enough of the chit chat. Let's get on with it. Um. This book has so much to offer um, that I could rattle off so many quotes. So you'll hear me in later podcasts refer to this book, okay, in later episodes. So the section I want to read, excuse me, today, I'm going to sip some of my tea. The section I want to read today is entitled, it's chapter nine, and it says, "Sales to Service. Love would always give increase. When we are motivated by the desire to sell, we are only looking out for ourselves. When we are motivated by the desire to serve, we are looking out for others. Miracles shift us from a sales to a service mentality. Since in the realm of consciousness, we only get to keep what we give away. A service mentality is a far more abundant attitude. The thought system that dominates our culture, oh, excuse me, this is why we have tea when we read. The thought system that dominates our culture is laced with selfish values and relinquishing those values is a lot easier said than done. The journey to a pure heart can be highly disorienting. For years, we may have worked for power, money, and prestige. Now all of a sudden we've learned that those are just the values of a dying world. We don't know where to search for motivation anymore. If we're not working in order to get rich, then why are we working at all? What are we supposed to do all day? Just sit home and watch TV? Not at all, but thinking so is a temporary phase many people go through when the values of the old world no longer have a hold on us, but the values of the new world don't yet grab your soul. (coughs) Excuse me. They will. There comes a time not too long into the journey to God when the realization that the world could work beautifully if we could give it the chance begins to excite us. It becomes our new motivation. The news isn't how bad things are, the news is how good they could be. And our own activity could be part of the unfolding of heaven on earth. There is no more powerful motivation than to feel we're being used in the creation of a world where love has healed all wounds. We are no longer ambitious for ourselves, but are rather inspired by the vision of a healed world. Inspiration rearranges our energies. It sources within us a new power and direction. We no longer feel that we're trying to carry a football to the finish line, clutching it to our chest and surrounded by hostile forces. We feel instead as though angels are pushing us from behind and making straight our path as we go. purity of heart will not make us poor. The exaltation of poverty as a spiritual virtue is of the ego, not the spirit. A person acting from a motivation of contribution and service rises to such a level of moral authority that worldly success is a natural result. Give all your gifts away in service to the world. If you want to paint, Don't wait for a grant. Paint a wall in your town that looks drab and uninviting. You never know who's going to see that wall. Whatever it is you want to do, give it away in service to your community. At my lectures in Los Angeles, I grew so tired of hearing actors moan about not getting jobs. Go to hospitals, to retirement homes, to mental institutions, I said. There was acting before there were acting jobs. If you want to act, act. Some people who heard me formed a group called the Miracle Players and they did just that. I don't want to do it because I can't make a living doing it is a very weak being to send into the universe. I lectured on a course in miracles for at least two years before it became the source of my income. When I started lecturing, I had no idea it would become my profession Some things you do for no reason, oops, excuse me, some things you do for no other reason than because they're the right thing to do. I'll do this because it serves, even if I'm not paid, is a very high being. It says to the universe that you must be very serious. And when you get serious about the universe, the universe gets serious about you. I have never felt the need to advertise much for my lectures I figure they were of genuine interest I figure if they were of gen- of genuine interest to people then people would hear about them that's not to say that advertising is bad as long as the motivation for advertising is to inform people as opposed to manipulating them Arnold Patton wrote that if you genuinely have something to say there is someone who genuinely needs to hear it we don't have to in- we don't have to invent an audience so much as we have to hone the message we plan to give them once they get here. Serving three people is as important as serving 300. Once we're clear about how to deal with a small following, a large following will develop automatically. If that, if that would serve the world. Our power lies in our clarity about the role our work can play. In the creation of a more beautiful world the miracle is to think of our career as our contribution however small to the healing of the universe the ego's world is based on finite resources but god's world is not in god's world which is a real world the more we give the more we have our having a piece of the world's pie doesn't mean there's less for anyone else And someone else having a piece of the pie doesn't mean there's less for us. So we need it compete. So we need not compete in business or anywhere else. Our generosity towards others is key to our positive experience of the world. There's enough room for everyone to be beautiful. There's enough room for everyone to be successful. There's even enough room for everyone to be rich. It is only our thinking that blocks that possibility from happening. Excuse me. The people who have achieved more than you in any area are only a half step ahead of you in time. Bless them and praise their gifts and bless and praise your own the world would be less rich without their contributions and it would be less rich without yours there's more than there's more than room for everyone in fact there's a need for everyone as we are healed the world is healed doing anything for a purpose other than love means reliving the split from god perpetuating and maintaining that split Every person is a cell in the body of human consciousness. At the moment, it is as though the body of Christ is suffering from cancer. In cancer, a normal working cell decides that it no longer wants to function in contribution to the whole. Instead of being part of the support system of the blood or the liver, the cell goes off and builds its own kingdom. That's a malignancy, which threatens to destroy the organism. So it is with the body of humanity. Everyone's gone off to do their own thing. My career, my store, my money. We've lost sight of our essential interrelatedness. And this forgetfulness threatens to destroy us. The my mentality is the ego. It is the belief in separation. It is the cosmic disease Taking what we have and devoting it to the restoration of the whole is our salvation and the salvation of the world. Our devotion then becomes our work, and our work becomes our devotion. So I'm really thankful for that read. That was just a few pages of um, Marianne, Wilson, Marianne Williamson's book, A Return to Love, Um, And I wanted to read that one on the podcast today because it seems like we are in a phase of life and in society. We're in a phase of human evolution where we're having to redefine what work means. And we're redefining how we have a means to live and a means to survive. And I like to use myself as as an example um, this year. I mean, excuse me, last year, uh, I was babysitting and doing caretaking. And when the pandemic hit, you know, jobs shut down, schools closed, so I was out of a job. Um, but I still love to work with kids. I was out of a job, began collecting, you know, an unemployment here and there. And it occurred to me <clears throat> that I could go back to work or I could simply do what I love until that pays me. And I wanted to say this because a lot of people out there are um, going through a mental crisis because throughout their entire lives, work has defined them. Work has given them status. Work has given them money. Work has given them prestige. Oftentimes when I find myself coming into a conversation with someone, meeting someone for the first time, the first thing to ask you other than what's your name is where do you work? What do you do? And I will admit, since the pandemic and I've been out of work, I've almost been embarrassed to say, I'm not working right now, you know, uh, because work has so long defined me. Um, I thought I was intelligent. I thought I was educated, you know, and work and education meant you went to work, you know, so you went to work to make money to live. And so now that I don't really have work as we used to, as you used to term it, um, it's, it's caused me to do a little introspection to look into myself. um, So I want to read this to let someone know that uh, we're just having a shift in consciousness, a shift of of our human evolution. And this is a time to redefine what work is and redefine how you want to live and how you want work to fit into your life. What I got from this reading is you should do what you love. And if you do what you love, you always love what you do. And if you do what you love, you become an authority on it you know you do it for so long you automatically become an expert i think there's some kind of equation that says if you do a type of job or a certain thing for a certain number of hours it automatically an expert regardless of if you went to school for it or not so if you do something for some time you become an expert and someone will pay you for it no matter how big or how small it is so as of late um i'm technically unemployed but i've been um i've noticed that um before when I was between jobs, I would do things that I love. or volunteer. I never forget that when I first moved to Seattle, when um, I was in between jobs after I left the project, and I went to volunteer to work with kids. I love working with kids. I love working with students. I just love it. So um, I didn't have a job, and I said, No, I'm going to volunteer until I get a job. You know, I want a job in a tech field, but I said, For now, I'm going to volunteer with kids. So. I started volunteering with this organization's nonprofit and I tutor and work with kids in the afternoons once or twice a week. And guess what y'all, all of a sudden, the executive, the executive directors of this nonprofit that I was volunteering for offered me a job. They said, Ron, you're always here. You really enjoy what you do. So can we pay you to do this? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay sure so now this became my job so i want to encourage someone out there who may be frustrated with their purpose because in this 2021 20, y'all this 20th century 21st whatever century we're in we have associated work with purpose we associated work with money work with the purpose and i try to always make these podcasts short under 20 minutes but I want to say that I grew up in a environment of volunteerism. I grew up in an environment of church where you volunteered, where you you know, you know might have worked the nine to five, some of these women and men were on social security, some of them worked nine to five jobs, but we all came together and we volunteered. And um, I'm thankful for that life of service because it pays. A lot of things I did as a child volunteering at church um, I have experience, so now when I, you know, when I go to other jobs, that comes, that experience comes with me, and now it's paid. Like, all the things I did in service to others for free, now I'm getting paid for it, because I did it not because it was free. I did it because I enjoyed doing it. So, um, I just wanted to encourage us to continue doing what we love. Because that's how we express ourselves. That's what we came here to do. We came here to express ourselves. Because God is expressing himself to us. And I wanted to read... Y'all know I got to get a Bible scripture in there. Um, Galatians 6 and 9 says... And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Then the next one says... And as we have therefore opportunity... Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. That's just to let you know keep doing good. It may not pay right now. Um, I have a brother who um, I hope he's listening. He said he listens to my podcast. So um, I went to go see him when I was back home, and he has a green thumb. That boy can grow anything he raises livestock i was so proud of him you know i'm envious of it because i i can't do it like that and i know people who will literally pay for his expertise you know i see in the city right now there's so people so many people who want their own little gardens um there are people who you know want to plant and grow their own and grow their own livestock and it just you never know that there is an audience for everything. There's someone willing to pay you for for what you do. So um, I just want to encourage them, those out there, do what you love. Um, and my brother might not think about, you know, someone paying him for his chicken eggs, someone paying him for his livestock, someone paying him to build a garden, someone paying him to build a fence. But if you do what you love to do and you're good at it, there's someone willing to pay you for it. You might not even know how to go into business. For instance, I would not have even known how to get paid to work with kids i just naturally started doing it and the payment came looking for me that's how the universe works you do something you do it well you do what you love you do it with the energy of love you do it with the energy of service to others and guess what the universe will come looking for you the money will come to you poverty and spirituality are not did not go hand in hand the Bible says somewhere that the, that the Lord would not have his seed begging bread. That means the Lord would not have us to live in poverty. And a lot of times people try to uh, twist the word of God and try to twist spirituality to mean that if you're, if you're a spiritual person, you have to be poor. That's not so. Because I realize that the more I humble myself, the more I submit to the energy, the more I do things out of love. The money chases me down. And I'm not kidding. The only advice I can give someone about money right now is to find your purpose. And right now, your purpose may not be attached to a dollar bill. But find your purpose. Lean into it. Um, Do what Galatians 6.9 says. Um, Don't be weary and well doing. Don't stop. Do it for the love of of doing it. Okay? Alright. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Have a good night.